0: Spedrosian throws to Sandberg and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it.
1: Throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting. have built on it. The Giants have won the pennant.
0: All right, we're back with the Thompson to Clark podcast. November 2nd, 2020, which means yesterday... Was the 10th anniversary of the 2010 World Series? Brad, did you? What did you do to celebrate the the anniversary?
1: Well, <clears throat> I watched the Rams lose uh, <laughs> a horrible game, but I uh, I spent a little bit of time just kind of rehashing old stories from that time. Um, I did post on our Instagram. Page, uh, I, I posted a picture of the uh, ticket from the Pepper Mill, where I put down uh, when, when the Giants were uh, uh, eighteen to one odds. It was eighteen or nineteen? I can't remember exactly. Uh, eighteen to, to one odds. I put down ten dollars uh, for them to win the World Series in March of two thousand ten, and uh, and that happened. Got a hundred, you know, so it was nineteen to one. I got one hundred and ninety bucks out of it—my ten bucks plus the one eighty—and then I, I, and then that, di- and I think like a day or two later, I went out and bought myself my first Blu-ray player. Wow! Yeah, two thousand ten Blu-ray player—it's pretty awesome. And then because I knew in anticipation, the Giants were going to have the two thousand ten World Series Blu-ray, which I bought, and I think that was one of the first things I watched on it. So it was pretty, pretty awesome.
0: Um, so I we've we've kind of been celebrating, um, and we did a whole, the whole show last week was going through games one through four of the World Series, and we wanted to save game five for today. So I you know, everything, you know, uh, if you open up the athletic, Andy Baggerly's got reminiscing and, and guys talking about it and Brian Wilson, uh, rem- remembering, you know, all of a sudden how he got the black beard and stuff. And, <laughs> and so it's just out of, been out fun. of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's just so fun to revisit that time because you, that is like the one that we remember, like 2012, probably the better team. 2014 is, is the nutty story, <laughs> but that was the first one. And so I think it's the most memorable one.
1: I I think so too. That's always going to be, I I think, because I think back sometimes and go, oh yeah, the 2012 World Series. We swept them. I don't remember much about those games unless I go back and watch the Blu-ray again or watch some game highlights. You know, I do. You remember the Posey play at uh, home plate where he got... um, uh, Miguel, no, was it about uh, Prince Fielder coming mm-hmm, around there? Mm-hmm. Uh, he got swipe tag. The, yeah. The, the awesome swipe tag, even if they would have had a replay back then, he was still out. I mean, nailed him. So things like that come up into your memory. Um, uh, Ryan Terrio sliding across the plate, you know, on his knees, arms in the air. Um, you know, little things like that, Posey's home run in game three or four. See, don't even remember exactly. <laughs> but 2010, there's so many things from those games, from that run, from from every game of the playoffs leading up to it that you just remember. And it's because it's the first. It's the first for, for the majority of Giants fans, I'd say, nowadays. Um, none of us, you know. 40 somethings and 50 somethings we weren't around in the 50s so we don't remember any of that stuff and you know we just saw the the highlights of the maze catch and then you know they got a sweep and that was pretty much it that's all you know so
0: all right we're going to talk about that in a second there are other things to talk about before we get started though and one of these things is the my sound my uh, my audio quality it's might be most people probably won't even notice but I, I can even notice just well doing... now you told them so. <laughs> but <laughs> but the uh the sound quality might be a little bit different because we moved and so I had some sound panels up on the walls and I had the other place a little bit more situated I I haven't done all of that yet here so I'm just in like a room with walls and the sound doesn't bounce or the sound actually bounces a little bit differently when you have just hard walls everywhere. So that's why I try to put up some soft stuff. And so I got to configure this room. Um, so it'll be it'll be probably hopefully by the next show. It'll, I'll be more comfortable with it because I'm probably the only one who cares. But um, I, so all, all day today, uh, I because I had the sound panels in the old office, in the old house, um, I had to take them down. And I realized in taking them down that the adhesive that I used on those sound panels was not very friendly to then cleaning up the walls and preparing for us to leave so that we get our full deposit back. Right. And so uh, I've, I've spent the last couple of days like trying to figure out like, how do I get this adhesive off? And, you know, I'm I'm just pulling tape off here and there and trying to wash things and and some of you know I, I was able to get a lot of it off but some of it left some film some of it just did not come off so I'm looking at every YouTube video, everything, as far as how do I get this adhesive off. I'm asking people, they're giving me different remedies and I'm buying stuff. And so I was over there this morning and I just massacred everything. <laughs> I ruined the both walls that I was trying to figure out. So I had to call a task rabbit. Guy's gonna come over and he's gonna sand, or he's gonna scrape the, the tape off, which is gonna take the paint off and then he's gonna have to repaint it. So. Um yeah so I I was just like man you know of all the things you know that these little sound <laughs> panels you know we're going to do I didn't expect them to ruin the walls so here when I do it at the at the new house I'm I'm, I'm going to try to thumbtack it in so all we have to do is kind of you know put a little bit of stuff in, in you know if we do move from here so but yeah but that was that was such a headache and I was just oh my gosh I was like <laughs> man where's Brad if I see Brad lived around <laughs> the corner I could just take him and his wife to dinner, and then he can help me with this. That's and it would have been right. all good.
1: Now, what is uh, so? Now you texted me that. What is a Task Rabbit?
0: Oh, okay. So it's a great I don't, I little don't know app. Okay. okay. So 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 basically, you're you're a pretty handy person.
1: Well, my my father is a retired contractor, so when I have something like that, I pick up the phone. I dial it up and I go, Hey, Hey dad, uh, here, here's the situation. Got some sheetrock, did this, did that. He goes, okay, I'm going to email you a list. You're going to run to Home Depot and you're going to grab this stuff. and I'm going to tell you how to do it. Okay. So that's what I do. It doesn't always look pretty and it doesn't always come out right, but it's good enough. <laughs> no, but so the thing
0: is, is I'm not very handy you know, I can hook up this mic and do all the tech stuff. But when it comes to stuff like this, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. So in the day of, oh, let's look at YouTube. That's why I attempted it. And I was like, ah, this can't be that bad. And it was really bad. So TaskRabbit basically pairs, the person who can help you with this and yourself you just put in your address and you go hey i need help with x and they find somebody and then it connects you with that person oh, and then nice. they get a little bit of a piece of the action so i'm, I'm going to be paying task rabbit a little bit of money to and then paying you know the person who's helping me a lot of money but that that's what that's what the <laughs> app is for but yeah I was just i was just man like there's a reason why I don't do stuff like this. And I should have just figured it out from the beginning and tried to, tried to call them. And so they could have done it, but oh well, lesson learned.
1: You know what? And if you would have done that, you, and and they would have come in and done it and made it look easy. You would have been like, I should have tried that myself (laughs) to start and then call those guys. So either way, you're going to second guess it. I do it all the time.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. No. It's, it's good, but you know, I like my I, my dad. I don't know if my dad would have actually been able to help me. He would have probably just been like, "Oh, that's too much work," because <laughs> I, I mean, I was literally peeling tape and scrubbing for hours and hours and hours. Oh God! But anyway, so that that it, this office will be up and 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 going by the next show that we do. But so if it's a little bit echoey, that's why. Um, okay, so before we get to. The, the bad news of the show, which is just talking about the Dodgers winning game six and being champs. What are you drinking?
1: Well, I went for the rye tonight. Um, it's been a while since I've had just straight rye whiskey. So I grabbed the Redemption rye, which I used to make my Manhattans. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, it's starting to get cooler here in Nevada. I think we're supposed to have some snow in the upper elevations this weekend. So the rye is nice and warming. It's um, 95, I believe. Yeah, it's a mash of 95% rye and 5% barley. So it's the higher rye um, whiskey. And uh, I think Redemption does a really good job with it. I like it. It's 46%, so it's not like through the roof or anything. But, man, it is. Um, you could have used this to take the tape off the walls. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this stuff, you take a sip of this and you're breathing fire. I love it.
0: So for me, I I don't think I've ever had uh, I don't think either of us have ever had wine while we're doing the show. But oh, uh, so when we moved out, I told my wife I said, you know, let's celebrate the you know when we get there. Um, you get you know a good bottle of wine rather than you know going to Safeway and spending twelve bucks, which is not bad either. Like that's cool. Like there's great. There's great wines that you can find for cheaper. Um, and and so we did it, but the day that we moved was Sunday. We were so burnt out <laughs> that it wouldn't even have been fun. And so we're like, okay, let's just wait till Monday. So I'm having a little bit of it. We, we had a little bit, we'll have some more with dinner. We actually have some really cool neighbors who brought us food and oh, stuff. Awesome. Like That's just awesome. literally came over and brought it for, for us. And so we're going to have some of the dinner and then we'll have the wine. But yeah, we're, we're, we're going to, you know, you know, with moving, it's like, it's going to oh, be like two weeks before we have everything out the way that we want it.
1: We moved from Santa Clara to an apartment in Reno in January, 2003. Uh, and then a week later, it snowed. And I was like, whoa, all right. I knew the snow was coming, but I wasn't expecting it. And then eight months later, we moved everything from the apartment to a house. So we moved twice in one year and haven't had to do it since. And so I do not envy you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And we have our Apple Watch competition going. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we got our Apple. And I'm just going to take a look real quick. I don't know how they do points. Still haven't figured that out. I think it ends today. You're winning by... Oh, about 180 points. Ooh! So I don't know how to make that up. All I know is that you're drinking wine. You're <laughs> more wine. So maybe I can go out. It's already dark out here in Reno. I, I can run out after the podcast and maybe run around the block a few times. We have a park next to us. I'll go swing. I'll see what I can do to get some points up.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. Like, who who would have thought the Apple Watch would have would have been the uh, the thing that that uh, just keeps people you know, communicating and stuff like I've had so much fun with it. And then and then when you got yours and then we figured the competition was like, OK, we got got to do this. We'll have some fun (laughs) with it. But, you know, the thing so next week will be a little bit more fair if we do it again, because you had me moving and I was on my feet for about (laughs) 16 hours on Saturday. Yeah. So that's what it you know, that that's why that's why I'm winning.
1: Well, here in, in Nevada, we have Nevada Day. So Nevada Day is uh, technically October 31st. It's when uh, Nevada became a state of the, of the Union, um, 1864. And so uh, they used to celebrate it on October 31st every year. And then Halloween started becoming a big thing. So they decided, okay, it's going to be the last Friday of the month uh, of, of October. So it just so happened it fell on the 30th. So this year we had the 30th and then Halloween on a Saturday. So I didn't do a whole lot on the 30th. Just kind of milled around the garage and, you know, cut some stuff to, to build like a candy chute to deliver candy to kids. Um, and then yesterday I didn't do anything. I mean, I just sat on the couch and watched the Rams game. And then afterwards I kind of just Tooled around in the den for a little bit, so and then as I'm watching your numbers go up, I'm like, you know, he's moving. I can't match that. There's like nothing I could do to match that. So today, I did a 45 minute hit workout, and then my wife goes, "I'm going for a walk," and I'm, I'm going too. I'm tagging along. So I got back to back workouts in, but I don't, that's still not going to get me a W
0: yeah so we we'll we'll, uh, we'll do we'll do another one and it'll be more fair and it'll probably go right down to the wire and then when I'm asleep, you're gonna wake up at like <laughs> 11.30, bust out some shadow boxing and then take over. And that's right. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this Dodgers thing really quickly. Um, last show we were watching game six as we were doing the show. Yeah. Dodgers do pull it out. Uh, the Rays make a horrendous pitching change. We had talked about, and this was—I mean—that was what we were talking about during the show. Was yeah? How do you, how, you know, how, how do they, how do the Rays manage the pitching staff? Because at, you know, they—they they were not letting their starters go deep into the game. We made the Madison Bumgarner comparison, and just like we said, Snell's rocking, goes six and a third, and they yank him, and then they lose the game. So that was not, it was not cool to watch, but it's not like we did not see that coming.
1: No. And that's, and that's tough. That's, you know, new baseball. And that's a hard one for guys. I think like you and I, and, and other fans like you and I to just sit there and watch and see, you know, Blake Snell's your ace. This is a, a win or go home game. This is to push it to a game seven you ride Snell until that arm comes off. And that's what we talked about in the podcast. But to see, you know, to see a manager go out there and say, I had this plan all along. As soon as he got in trouble from the sixth on or whatever pitch count it was on, he's coming out. It's like, that's not a feel for the game. Um, and that and that's just so maddening to watch. Even if it was, um, you know, even if it was the Dodgers doing the same thing, I still, still would have been frustrating because you, you – you become a fan of this game not only for big home runs, loud home runs uh, exciting plays at the plate or whatnot you become a fan of the game because of eight nine inning pitching duels and and aces giving everything they have until there's just nothing left on the mound but dust and then they have to shake them out of there. So, I mean, to to watch something like that in this day and age, especially with only a 60-game season and then the playoffs, I mean, he's fresh, right? He's fresh. Mm -hmm. Why didn't he go more innings? And, you know, it's something that uh, Cash is just going to have to think about all offseason. I will say,
0: I think I even mentioned this, the Yankees, I mean the Yankees, the Lakers and the Dodgers winning their respective championships in 2020 is so apropos because 2020 sucks. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and then, and then everybody's going, well, the, the Rams are going to make it a trifecta. Nah. Yeah. You watched it <laughs> you know in the last three I, weeks I, now. Look, look <laughs> out of
0: all those teams, <laughs> Yeah. I'm more than okay with the Rams winning because there is... Uh, even though the Niners and the Rams do have a bit of a rivalry there's not that like disgust right. between the Giants and the Dodgers and you know the way that the Lakers um you know the the the, the LeBron thing and all that like that is just like, ugh, like uh like yeah. I'm over it but you know the the Rams football is so different in in that you know I I would hate it way more if the Cowboys won the title than the Rams
1: well and I think that's part partly to do with the fan base i mean the Rams Fans, we're just kind of we expect heartache. We expect bad things to happen. So when good things happen, we go, "Hey, cool man! Hey, we're we're cruising along. We're winning. Everything's good." I mean, hell, uh, McVeigh is forty and twenty as a head coach. But you know, yesterday after game, everybody's kind of like, "Oh, you know, they played a horrible game. Horrible, you know, play calling." And but uh, whatever, move on to the next week. It's all yeah. good. Yeah, but I I see what you're saying. I mean that that Dodger fan base. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? But like I said, as as much as we hate it, the Giants, our are, there are they are trying to basically become the northern version of the blueprint what what the Dodgers are creating. So you know that there is a little bit of an envy there, and. If the you know, I think the Dodgers do things for the most part the right way and the smart way, and so that part of it, I I I look up to. I'm like, you know, they do it the right way, but it's just, it's just the Dodgers. We've had so much history. You know, my dad had a T-shirt when I was probably about five years old that said, "I hate the Dodgers." So, (laughs) I mean, we're just born into it, you know.
1: I think I had one of those too. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, and you look at the Rays too. I mean, uh, the Dodgers also pulled from the Rays organization with Friedman. I Mm -hmm. mean, they, you know, they pulled from a lot of the uh, analysis baseball. Um, So it's, you know, not ironic that you had two um, heavy analytical teams in the world series this year in a short season, right? I mean, in a short season, you kind of have to manage things differently. You have to look at your lineup differently. You have to look at your pitching differently, especially your bullpen, especially your starters. So you've got to look at all that differently, and to have two analytical teams analyzing that down to a T. And I think that's what helped the Giants this year too, to um, to get even close to a playoff spot, even though they you know expanded the playoffs this year. But still, to have a team that everybody said, "Well, the Giants are going to do anything." Well, analytically, in a sixty-game season. The, you can pull some different strings some different things can happen and and so we saw that. So yeah, I mean it to come down to those two teams in the World Series and then uh and then have it end that way, you know, should have gone 7 games, but whatever.
0: All right. So um that is that. We don't need to
1: talk about that anymore. Well, I, you I mean we got to bring up Justin Turner though. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know the, the it's almost like it's
0: it's not that I like like it was so shocking but when it all happened so many people were okay with it from the aspect of oh they just did this hard thing and they won the championship and i'm like i am not okay with that like no. it, like the, but his teammates were okay with it as well and i'm just like oh my god like you know major league baseball was so hard on these type of things and then when it happened they're like oh Major League Baseball is investigating. And like we've heard nothing since then. <laughs> and but I thought it was yeah. so selfish, but at the same time, I cannot put myself in their shoes, obviously. Our lives are a little bit different in this quarantine than them, which is, you know, in order to, you know, in order to do my job, I, I can do it from home. In order to do their job, they had to get out there and and risk themselves to do it. Right. And so from that aspect, it's hard for me to go, you know. I could never see doing that. Well, of course, because I'm not a professional athlete. And professional athletes in 2020, except for the ones who did pull out, like in football, a lot of the guys pulled out. But the ones, you know, those athletes who were out there playing for A, for our entertainment, but also B, for their money because they had contracts and partnerships with TV, that's a little bit harder to understand. So I think it's a little bit more complex. But the reality is, is him joining that, you know, that photo and all of those things after they asked him to to stay away, there like there is something to that. If you have to do this next year, lots of people are going to be like, well, you want me to do that? And you let Justin Turner walk on the field and spray champagne and jump on his teammates.
1: <laughs> right. And like you said, they opened the door. I mean, that that's the problem. MLB needs to do something. What you can't suspend the guy. You can't really hurt the Dodgers at this point. Um, can you do something with draft picks? Probably not. I mean, this is new territory. You could probably find Justin Turner. Okay. Uh, is that really going to hurt him in the long run? Again, probably not the, the hard part for me. And, and, you know, I can leave it at this, but I, I just, And like you said, too, I've told people all along, too, I don't know what I would do because, yeah, I'll never be in that situation. I never have been in that situation. But from a moral and ethical standpoint, he had a decision to make between not knowing he had COVID to getting pulled out of the game late in the game and being told he had COVID so between that time he had a moral moral and ethical decision to make and I just think he made the wrong one. I mean and, and but but again as an outsider I can say that I can say I can say that you know if I know I have it and I go into my work anyways because there's stuff I really have to get done but I don't tell anybody and I just run out there and do it real quick I don't think I'd feel right. Um, but but again, you know, uh, other people around him knew it. But did the families of those players on the field know it? I, I, I don't know. So I, I hope to see more of the investigation. It's almost been seven days now. Yep. Um, so I'm hoping maybe in the next day or two, we're going to hear something more about this and kind of um, you know have have more to, to go on. All right. So let's talk about
0: Kevin Gossman. He um, signed a qualifying offer with the Giants. There were only six of the free agents, of the upcoming free agents, to receive qualifying offers. So you had Trevor Bauer with the Reds, uh, DJ LeMahieu with the Yankees, Springer from the Astros, and uh, Real Muto from the Phillies, and then uh, Marcus Stroman from the Mets, along with Gossman. So what does that mean? What is the qualifying offer? So what happens is is, uh, the teams have to who offer this qualifying offer. The reason they're doing so is just in case if they lose the player, they get a draft pick because of it. So I think the interesting thing for the Giants is they see Gossman maybe not as high as the as the Red Sea Bauer, but in the same ballpark. Because by extending the qualifying offer, it is an almost $19 million contract for one year if Gossman takes the qualifying offer. So he has 10 days to do it. If at the end of the 10 days, he declines the qualifying offer, he can still negotiate with the Giants for a longer term deal. And I think that's kind of where this thing might be going. If he declines the qualifying offer and then doesn't sign with the Giants, let's say he signs somewhere else, the Giants get a compensatory Draft pick, so that's the reason why they offer this thing. The risk on the Giants' end is that Gossman accepts the qualifying offer, and he gets his nineteen near nineteen million dollars, and then next year we have another, you know, weirdo season, and and they're paying him nineteen million dollars, you know, for whatever. Like it, so, there, there's risks on both ends. I think the interesting thing that it says though is, you know. By attaching the qualifying offer to Gossman, it depresses his market value elsewhere because the team that signs him would lose a draft pick. So I think this is saying the Giants want him back. They are negotiating to bring him back. If they sign a longer-term contract, which is probably what he wants, because you know he who knows what 2021 looks like. Who knows what 2022 looks like when you talk about the the uh CBA and all that stuff. Um, and so, you know, the the Giants are, are are showing some faith in him. And it is probably to their benefit because from uh, everything that I, I've read, and, and mostly this is what An- Andy Bagley has said, is that the only starter out there from a free agent perspective who they see as a bigger player for 2021 than him is Bauer. And we've talked about Bauer. So they see him right below Bauer and so that 's where they show his value
1: and I, and again that's a total win win for the giants right i I mean you, you, if he signs for eighteen million and you get him for one year for eighteen million you 're not tied to him for five, six, seven years it's a one year eighteen million dollar deal it's uh i mean let's say nineteen so it 's about a ten million dollar raise from what he got this year this year he was signed by the Giants to a one year nine million uh Deal, But with a prorated season, it came to about $3.3 million is what he got paid. Um, and if he does walk, you know, if he says, no, I don't want it, and they end up getting a draft pick, well, the Giants are still in that position where they're still trying to build that farm system, even though it's built up quite a bit in the last two years. Um, they're they're still in that position where you know we can use more draft picks, and that's kind of what has taken the Giants out of going after these big name guys the last couple of years. Because anytime you see that qualifying offer tied to somebody, the Giants have kind of shied away. Because two years ago, the uh, the farm system was in the crapper, so to speak. I mean, it was really, really bad. So they didn't want to lose any draft picks at that point. Uh, they wanted to build up. Um, now being a 500 club, uh, is that draft pick going to be as good as it was a year or two ago? No, it won't be. Um, but again, if you can get Gossman, I mean, hell, if you can sign Gossman for, you know, three year, four year deal, and just kind of extend him out a little bit, you've got a really good, Number two, number three, maybe. I mean, on this staff right now, probably number one. Yeah. Um. But other staffs, you're looking at a two or three. But you've got a really good, solid pitcher for the next two or three years, especially if he continues to pitch the way he did last year and 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 in out of the bullpen for the Reds uh, in in 2019.
0: I, th- I saw Keith Law said that he thought Gossman would be an excellent four. In rotation now, he's looking at the sort of the totality yeah. of Gossman's career. The Giants look at Gossman as a little bit higher than that because they see a couple of things in the analytics that they like a lot more than I'm sure that Keith that Keith Law sees.
1: So, well, uh, the only the only slotted Giants starting pitcher right now that they can count on is Cueto. That's it. I mean, after that, you, you're kind of building a staff. Uh, you take bits and pieces, smiley free agent. Um, they weren't going to offer him the qualifying offer at 18 million because smiley for 18 million, not so much. Um, he might've taken that and been like, sure, I'll take the 18 million and continue to build on the growth I've had the last two seasons, but that's it. So if you pair Gossman with Cueto and then kind of build from there, Tyler Beatty will he be healthy? Don't know. Start adding guys like that back in, um, you know, and maybe you've got a staff. But right now with just Cueto, you really don't have much. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: okay, so you have uh, the minor league free agent story. So what is going on there?
1: Yeah, so on Twitter, uh, Maria Guardado. Um, if you don't follow her, highly suggest you do. At uh, M-I underscore Guardado. Uh, she is the Giants beat writer for MLB.com. Got a lot of good information. She posted uh, the uh, Giants minor league free agents, um, players that the the Giants uh, did not extend any offers to at this point, And so they are free agents. Tyler Heineman, uh, Joey Ricard, uh, Luis Madero, Carlos Navas, Jose Siri, which is the name has been kicked around quite a bit, as well as uh, Keen Wong. They are all free agents. Um, three of those guys, Ricard, Madero, and Siri, were waiver wire pickups in 19, uh, 2019 and 2020. Um, Tyler Heineman and uh, uh, Carlos Navas were minor league deals, uh, Navas 2019, Heineman, in 2020. F- Madero, Navas, Siri, and Wong uh, combined... Between all of them, uh, Madero and Navis and, and uh, Madero and Navis are pitchers. They both have no innings pitched in the majors. Uh, Jose Siri has no major league at bats, and Keen Wong has 18 major league at bats. So these are guys that, that really haven't had a good look at. Um, so rather than lock them up, try to you know add them to deals. They're kind of just going to let them walk. Uh, not a lot of teams have wanted these guys in the past. Heineman, who played a big part. Early in the 2020 Giants season at catcher, uh, he had 42 at-bats this year. Just one extra base hit, and those 42 at-bats kind of bounced around. Um, Joey Ricard has four at-bats this season. So all those guys will not be back uh, with the Giants next year. At this point, again, they could sign you know, minor league deals. They could be... Um, you know, pass through uh, waivers on other teams at some point, and we can get them back. There's all kinds of things that could happen, but but those are the guys right now at this point that we won't be seeing in the Giants organization again. Yeah,
0: there's there's like an insane number of minor league free agents this year, so I think yeah. it's like early Christmas for Zadie. <laughs> he's a he's the king of the waiver one. <laughs> yeah, they're going to bring in tons of guys that, that oh. uh, they value more than other teams. Okay, so um. Let's talk about the anniversary of this game five of the Giants clinching. Now, I think you had watched it last week. I uh, I finished it today. I, I I didn't watch all of the game, but I was clicking through and making sure I saw the best parts. Uh, it's it just, it just, you know, to, to go back and to see Lincecum was so much fun. Like, you know. That guy was so electric. Even you know, in two thousand and ten, he didn't have a great regular season, though he finished strong. Right. And I read a story again, Andrew Baggerly, who uh, who was talking about Matt Kane, basically taught not, not, not taught because that, that that's it's not like Lincecum didn't know how to throw a slider. But Lincecum, when he was struggling in two thousand and ten, he was basically fastball splitter, and then that you know, if he didn't have his fastball, he didn't have that third pitch. And so he asked Kane about, you know, just the way he held the slider and how he threw it and Kane kind of showed him a few things and then literally Lincecum just starts using it at the end of the season and and picks picks up the slack, uses it in that game one against the Braves and strikes out 14. And then I was so I was specifically watching for that in game 5 and he is throwing it. Like I didn't I don't remember. I I must have thought it was like uh, something different back then because you know you see the the the, the changeup at some point kind of dives dives into righties a little bit and the slider it wasn't like a big sweeping slider it was more like a tight almost like a a, a hard like a, a had cutter action on it maybe with a little bit more break but he's just using it because it's the one pitch he can throw where he can paint the outside corner and then go further out and then these guys are just you know whiffing at it hard and it's just it just that's just him right like the guy is such a good athlete he could literally pick up a thing and go i'm just going to use this i'm like not even going to really work on it i'm just going to use it in games as an experiment and just is is successful with it but that was kind of that was a that was a real i don't I don't remember reading about that back then but just to see him out there again. And he throws eight innings in this game. I think he strikes out 10. Uh, only gave up like maybe three or four hits the whole time. Just so fun. Just, I, I miss that guy so
1: much. Well, and and the complete domination of uh, Josh Hamilton. And, 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 you know, Hamilton's a lefty, so you don't expect that out of a righty. But Linsicum just having him completely off balance with the splitter and the change and everything just off speed at him and and Hamilton just looks so silly out there I think the one the the one pitch he made contact on was a a, a changeup that dipped and he he just like you know, like threw the bat at it and dribbled it to uh, to Sanchez at second, and it was just so sad to watch. Yeah, <laughs> he he loses the bat and in, in yeah, one of the oh, that's bats. right, another at bat. Yeah, he took a a hard swing in the changeup <laughs> and threw the bat into the stands. I mean, just had him off balance all night and 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 bad Vlad Guerrero who <laughs> swings at anything mm-hmm. near the plate. So Lincecum just said, "Okay, well, I'm not going to throw you a strike." And he he looked ugly all night, too. Um just god, I mean, it was just so fun to go back and watch that game. Um, I don't think he, so he didn't give up his first hit until the bottom of the fourth inning. And mm-hmm. I, and I remember in that game, and Cliff Lee was dominating, too. I mean, oh, yeah. just
0: so tough. You, you, the, uh, the opposite of Hamilton on the or the same person as Hamilton on the Giants was Burl. Like Burl, Yeah. <laughs> he he could he, I think he like fouled off a couple of balls, but otherwise, like he's swinging and missing, and then he's looking back at the umpire yeah. going, "Like,
1: how how did I miss that?" <laughs> well, yeah, his last two at bats, he's swung at pitches outside the strike, so when he turns around, he goes, "Was that a strike?" <laughs> umpire's like, "No, not even close." <laughs> so yeah, he was just guessing all night long, man.
0: Yeah, no, it was it was, <laughs> it, it, but like you said, Cl- so so Cliff Lee, we talked about game one, Lint's come and Cliff Lee. Much like Linscombe and Halliday in the uh, previous um, the previous series, Cliff Lee was on top of the world, and it, it it frustrated me as a Giants fan because, like we said, the previous two years, or no, two years and and then the year before, I think Linscombe wins Cy Youngs, right. and then in two thousand and ten he's not as good, so all of a sudden it's Halliday. And they're you know Halliday's the best pitcher in baseball. Then Lincecum beats him. Then it's Cliff Lee's best pitcher in baseball, and then Lincecum beats him. And so it was so I was so happy because I'm like you you guys are jerks like Lincecum (laughs) is a two time Cy Young winner like you know you're you're not treating him like you should. And so when I'm watching this game, I'm like okay we got good Lincecum he's he's on it. But then I was like oh no we got good Cliff Lee too. (laughs) And there's there's one so. I was kind of watching this because I I, I sort of remembered it, which was pitching duel, pitching duel. And I was trying to figure out, like, when did they break Lee or when did they actually start to show life against him? Because I didn't remember anything until that home run. And there is a drive that Buster hits into right center that it's... It's probably like I don't know, maybe to the end of the warning track. Nelson Cruz jumps. The ball's not going over the fence. It's not like he robbed the home run, but he had to kind of jump to get in position, and he catches the ball right in the palm of his glove. Yeah, and 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 so I was like, oh wow, I don't remember Buster almost. You know, it was almost Buster being the hero for that (laughs) instead of uh, Renteria. And this is right after I think it was uh, Freddie Sanchez. Or mm, maybe it was Freddie Sanchez, but uh, Nelson Cruz had dove right before that play and he misses, yeah, that was uh, Sanchez, misses the ball. Yeah. And so, you know, he makes up for that. And then it's the seventh, Cody Ross and Juan Uribe get on to uh, nobody out the uh, the I don't know what to even call him today. But Aubrey Huff, let's just call him Aubrey.
1: We'll just call him Aubrey yeah. A- that Yeah,
0: everyone knows why I hesitated, <laughs> but he like kind of drops a little bit of. It's a sacrifice, but it's it's a it's not quite a drag. But it wasn't. He didn't square up. Like he actually was trying to get a hit out of it as well. Yeah,
1: a sacrifice.
0: It was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sacrifices them. Gets second and third. Then uh, Burl whiffs. So now we got two outs, and they have to decide. Are we going to pitch to Renteria, who already has a hit, uh, earlier in the game, or do we walk Renteria to load the bases and pitch to Rowand? And I wonder if Cliff Lee and company, or uh, and Ron Washington and, and company, you know, second, how, how, do do Rangers fans second guess that decision? Obviously, it was it only went to five games. It's not like it was a game seven. But do they think back and go, you know what? If we walk Renteria, Rowan is, is not a good player at that point. And we pitch to Rowan and we probably get out of that. And then it's still 0 0. And then maybe if you think it through, Nelson Cruz hits a home run. Maybe you win 1 0.
1: Yeah, that that one was kind of bizarre. And, and and with Renteria at the plate too, McCarver kept saying, yeah, hey, uh, you know, if he could just. He he you know he swings at everything. <laughs> he he said, no that's Vlad. Like Gentry <laughs> is a little more disciplined than Vlad. But he said, you know, he swings at any at, at everything. So if he could just get the bat on the ball and just drive in a run here, you know, and then and then Cliff Lee with the the hanging fastball, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was a weak fastball. The only pitch the that zone. he
0: could have gotten in the air, really.
1: Yeah. And that was it, and he throws him a, a, a chest-high fastball, and yeah, Renteria, he will swing. If he likes it, he'll swing at it, and sure enough, just blast that thing out. But I remember Joe Buck and the call, too, was just kind of like, you know, drive to left field. It's up in the air. He had no, no idea it was going well, out you, either. you
0: look, uh, I, I watched the outfielders, so they're playing really shallow. <laughs> they were, yeah. And so you watch them go back? and i think because they were playing so shallow you know cuz the the announcers somewhat are looking are reacting to how the outfielders react that's the funny thing to me is when you want, when you go to a game and you're with a crowd the crowd reacts to the swing the the, the the crowd that's not really paying too close of attention they react to the swing and so you'll see the crowd get super excited at like a a fly out that's like medium deep but the smart fans know to watch the outfielder. Cause if you watch the outfielder break for the ball, then you kind of know where it's going. Sure. So I think Joe Buck is looking at the outfielders and the outfielders are so shallow <laughs> that by the time they get running, like they're still not even anywhere near the warning track yet.
1: Right. And, and that was the awesome thing to watch too, because in that ball just traveled. So you think about it too, if that ball wasn't going to clear the fence, Uh, even though it hung out there. Yeah, for sure. Well, Renteria speed. Yeah, maybe double. (laughs) Yeah, totally.
0: But yeah, I mean, they're, they're not going to catch it.
1: No, they're not, 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 not the, not where they were playing. There's no possible way. Um, I mean, you can't, you also can't beat Dave Fleming's call on that. (laughs) I mean, the, the old broken voice call, the, the famous broken voice call. And I think, On my 2010 Blu-ray, I believe you can punch that call up. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's something I've wanted to buy for years, and and I got to go back to eBay and look for it. But there is the DVD set. Now, at that time, I don't think in 2010 they made a Blu-ray set out of this, but they did in 12 and 14. But in 2010, there's a DVD set of every single game. Um, And then I think the bonus is, um, I think... Oh, gosh. I think uh, the bonus is the game one against the Braves. Mm. Um, and I can't remember what else. Maybe a Philly game in there, too. Um but I'm not quite sure. But anyways, they're they're on DVD, so you can go back and watch all of them. And the secondary audio track on those are the KNBR calls.
0: Yeah, that's cool.
1: So that's really cool. So you can watch the game with the KNBR call the whole time. Um, and I think that's what they played during quarantine, from what I remember. Uh, a lot of those games were played on, um, on uh, Fox Sports Bay Area. Am I saying that right? the changed so. Much NBC, but NBC Sports, NBC Sports Bay Area. Sports Bay Area yeah. Now, good golly. <laughs> so, anyways, but anyways, so they played a lot of those with the with the KMBR calls, and probably because they didn't have the rights to the to the uh, Fox stuff. But sure, who knows, but but those are always fun to go back and watch if you get a chance. So, so
0: Renteri hits the three run homer. Giants are up three to zero. Head in bottom of the seventh. Uh, I think with one out, Nelson Cruz goes deep. So Lincecum. You know, probably feeling a little good. You pitch him with a lead. He's he's not going to you know, to be too cute. And Cruz takes him deep, so they get one. This is where Linsicum loses his composure a little bit. Walks Kinsler, goes two and on David Murphy, but then comes back and strikes out David Murphy, gets out of it, but the kid like you could tell he was he was a little frustrated, you know, after giving up the home run, and so you're like, Oh no, Linsicum just, you know, just get out of this inning. And so they uh, then he cruises through the eighth inning, one, two, three. And then in the ninth inning, Brian Wilson comes in, goes strike out to the person you already mentioned, Josh Hamilton, who takes one right down the middle. Like he he tries to raise his arms as if the pitch <laughs> was like too high, but it's maybe a, a hair, a frog's hair above his belt. And, you know, that's exactly the pitch he wants to to swing. I don't know what he was thinking about. Then we get uh, ground out to short. And then finally, the uh, aforementioned Nelson Cruz swings through what was also a hanging fastball from Brian Wilson. (laughs) And uh, the game is over and the Giants win.
1: Well, in the interview on the Blu-ray, too, uh, uh, you know, he says, Brian Wilson says, I go 3-2. So I'm just going to challenge him. Just going to throw him the best fastball I have. I've got a 3-1 lead. He hits it out. It's 3-2. I get the next guy. So that was I mean that that was pretty much Wilson's mentality all year. I can make a mistake with a two-run lead and who cares? I'm going to come back. And that's what made him such a a nasty closer. Uh, and we all loved him for it just because he he you know, he would just go out there and hey, I got a lead. I'm going to challenge you. And and as a manager too, you probably like I kind of like that because I don't have to worry about your pitch count. I don't have to worry about you out there nibbling corners. I don't have to worry about, I got to get somebody else warming up here. No, I put out Wilson and that's what I got. So
0: that's always nice to watch. And more to your point, the reason why that's important is because in some of the games in the playoffs – he was walking guys in the ninth inning and making these games a little <laughs> frustrating. So, right, it makes sense for him to go like, you know what, this is the World Series. If I walk this guy, and it gets the tying runner on, then you know my 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 glutes are going to get a little tight, and that might cause the fans to get a little tight too. So, I I, I completely one hundred percent understand, and thankfully, I mean, I don't know what else Nelson Cruz was looking for. Maybe maybe he was looking for like the 96 or the 97. And I think that fastball was like 90 maybe. Yeah. And so it was was almost like he took something off of it and, uh, and he swung through it.
1: Well, and then just to add to that 2014 Hunter Strickland really made you miss Ryan Wilson, right? When Hunter Strickland challenged guys, they hit the ball out.
0: (laughs) They (laughs) hit it out harder than it came in. And that threw hard.
1: That was like, I mean, and, and he threw fastballs like on a string, right? No movement, no mystery to it. It's here's my fastball, starting point, end point, no deviation from that whatsoever Uh, and Wilson had a little bit of movement to his stuff so yeah sometimes you wouldn't get a solid knock on it but you know Hunter Strickland here's my fastball there it goes
0: all right so we we did a, a lot of reminiscing here you know you only get the 10th anniversary one time uh I think I think I'm gonna Pull this segment of the podcast out and also put it on YouTube as its second. It's as its own separate segment. So, uh, so if you you know if you were listening to this whole thing, we appreciate it. But if you only listen to the little segment, we also appreciate it because I think this is a special kind of thing, you know. And I think people enjoy reminiscing like we do.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. No, it's it's always fun to talk about these times and you know it, you got to ten, you got to twelve, you got to fourteen you know, it's, it was so spoiled at this point mm-hmm. because you always think back and, you know, I was thinking about it today. I'm, I'm like, you know, we had that magical time and it, and it just shows you all three, speaking of closers, all three, 10, 12, 14, different closer for all three of those. Yep. Um, you know, and, and one of them happened to be a starter <laughs> in 2014 with Mad Bun So that's always fun.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the tournament that we're doing on Out of the Park Baseball. Uh, we have the two thousand. speaking of the 2010 Giants, they faced the 1966 Giants in a semifinal. And how
1: did this thing go? All right. So we are down to the final four. Um, we've got in this series we did is. 2010 World Series champs, the number two seed against the number 14 seed, 1966, 93 win Willie Mays team. Um, The other bracket, which is going to be played next, uh, 2003 against 1965. So the 2010 team, again, like we always talk about, just talked about it, always close, near and dear to our hearts. They um, started out the series with a uh, a big six to two loss, I mean it was ugly. Timmy got knocked Ugh. around. Come on, hard. Timmy. Gaylord Perry was dominating. I go, uh oh, I think we're gonna have a '60s team in the final four for sure here. Uh, next game, 2010. Uh, true to the 2010 World Series, rolled out 15 runs, so they win the second game, 15 to five. Uh, it was close at one point. I think it was. Uh, 5-4 at one point, and then they just started rolling. Marichal. Uh, Marichal got knocked around in that one, too. Cody Ross had two home runs. One of them was a three-run inside the park home run. Um, you see that in the game. That pops up every now and mm-hmm. then in the algorithm, you know? And so he had two, two, two shots in that one, should I say. Um, game three, now tied at 1-1. Game three, um... We had Jonathan Sanchez, and we talked about the good Jonathan Sanchez and the bad Jonathan Sanchez. And this was the good Jonathan Sanchez. Um, He ended up going six innings in this one, gave up five hits. He did give up two home runs because he was cruising. And I said, Hey, man, uh, looks like uh, Sanchez, the good one, showed up. And then, boom, boom. (laughs) (laughs) back to back home runs to Davenport and Willie McCovey. Um, And so they, but they ended up going on and winning that one six to three. Wilson had a one, two, three, ninth in that one. So not a whole lot of excitement uh, for him there. Uh, then they're up three, one game four. Two uh, 2010 took that one six to five. Uh, that one was a close one. I believe they were up five to one and uh, 66 went ahead and clawed back in. Then same thing. Brian Wilson shut the door in the ninth one, two, three. Uh, so now they're up three games to one and 2010, in game five, went ahead and took a 5-1 lead. Um, no, sorry, it was a 4-1 lead. And then 66 came back, tied it up. And then the 2010 Giants just started rolling, added three more runs, a uh, bunch of walks, a bunch of infield hits. Uh, and then they win the series four games to one. They move on to the final. They are in the final, one of the final two teams of this tournament. Uh, Andres Torres with the um, MVP award in this one, which is weird. I th- I think the game should have given this one to Posey. Uh, Torres hit 409 with no home runs, four RBI. He did set the table. He got a lot of hits. He got nine hits, but Posey also had nine hits. Mm-hmm. He hit 450 with no home runs and six RBI. So I think Posey should have gotten that one in the last series. Posey got the MVP. He hit 409 with a home run and seven RBI. So
0: Cody Ross uh, also had two jacks. And, he had those uh, two
1: jacks, but they were in the same game. Right, right. Um, the one through four hitters were just awesome. I mean, Torres hit 409. Then Freddy Sanchez dipped a little bit in the last two games, but he hit 292. Then that other guy, Aubrey Huff, hit 474, and then Posey 450. And then after that, just total drop off. Pat Burrell hit uh, 158. Juan Uribe hit 190. Pablo hit 238. So from then on, it just like complete drop off. Um, and again, executive decision on this one. I had to. You had to plug in. Um, Pablo at third and move uh, Uribe to short because that was kind of most of the season. Um, we talked about before, Pablo got in the doghouse with Bochi, didn't play much in the World Series, uh, and uh, Renteria was at short and Uribe was at third. But, you know, anytime we play this tournament, I have to put Pablo in there at third base, and he hit 238, drove in two runs. Um, not going to change it now that because that's been the way it has been all uh, tournament long. So I'll just kind of leave it there.
0: All right. So what is the next matchup next week?
1: Next matchup next week, 2003 who's been kind of cruising through this. They got here by beating 1987 in the first round. Then the 2012, which we think is the strongest world series team, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of agree. That's probably the strongest world series team. They beat them uh, four games to three. That's the one that did go seven games. Uh, So now they're taking on the 1965 team. Uh, 1965 got there by knocking off 1962 and then taking out our 2002 World Series loser team, four games to two. Uh, So the winner of this one, is going to go on and take on that 2010 team in the final. So that one should be exciting. Just try to see if we could do a little something special for the final. Might try to do a little bit of video, but I think we're going to, you know, try to maybe, maybe post, you know, a couple games at a time or something, just kind of uh, here's how it's going, here's what some numbers look like and mm-hmm. everything else. So I would try to do a little something special for the final.
0: Yeah, that would be fun. Uh, Okay, so that is it. From here, I think we're gonna be, you know, anytime. I I actually have Twitter alerts set for uh, Alex Pavlovich, so whenever there's Giants news that he tweets out, I, I make sure that I get to see it. But you know, well, I'm sure there's gonna be news upcoming. The free agent market is unfortunately probably gonna be a little frustrating because of the owners not they're not going to want to spend any money with uh what is going on that i think you know everybody without the live gates you know is the what you're you're having to um uh you know the 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 the, the expected income is definitely less so unfortunately for the giants they had to like I think they like let go like 50 people in the organization just uh, just this last year, or this, this last uh, month since the season ended. So that's unfortunate too. So it's almost like, how can we just let all these people go and then now we're just going to blast into free agency? I think it's probably going to be pretty frustrating for some of the players who unfortunately, just by bad luck, become free agents at this year. I think the top guys probably get paid for sure, but... We'll see about the the middle folks who probably expected a, a nice little contract. We'll see what happens with those guys. But anything, anytime something happens, I'm cataloging it so that we can talk about it here. And then we'll have our second semifinal uh, to see who goes into that final game to see who is the best Giants team of all time, according to Out of the Park Baseball. So uh, for Brad, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.